welcome back to the Got Work To Do podcast. If you are just joining us for the first time, my name is Brandi Douglas. I'm the Assistant Director of Outreach in the Office of Institutional Diversity at Oregon State University. And I have two wonderful guests today, uh, two of my favorite colleagues and friends, uh, Dr. Jeff Kinney, uh, Director of, uh, in the Institutional Education for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, uh, part of our Office and Office of Institutional Diversity and Scott Vigno, who is the Assistant Vice President of Strategic Diversity Initiatives, also in the Office of Institutional Diversity. Uh, I'm gonna give them a few minutes to introduce themselves and then I'm gonna talk a little about what we're doing today. So starting with Jeff. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on Brandy. A little additional information about me. I've known Brandy since 2012. And Brandy was actually the first Oregon State University person I met in real life um, because she checked me into my on-campus residence um, for at the time of my interview at like three in the morning. Yep. And it was an immediate bond from there. And then um, some other things you might know about me is that I'm a Nebraskan. If you've ever seen me in real life, my clothing is a dead giveaway. Oh, that's kind of true. Thanks, Jeff. Scott? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I don't have a great, I, I have a terrible memory, and so I don't have like a great first memory um, of, of when we met, but it was, it was after 2012. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something about, <laughs> um, something about me that people don't, no. Um, I can take an entire bag of Reese's mini peanut butter cups and eat them in under 10 minutes. That is, is that a special like skill. That, like <laughs> <laughs> that is a special skill because I think for some folks, like that makes total sense that they can do it. And for others, it's like that is so deeply disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it's How shocking. How big of a bag know. are we talking about? Oh, like like Halloween candy. Oh, um, hand out to your yes, and just sit down. Doesn't it's not even hard. I just like you know, I haven't done that in a while, but <laughs> it's totally possible. I'm taking notes of this, even though like I won't be here for much longer. Jeff, you should take notes of this. Forever. Yeah, I just, I just wrote the word binge across uh, <laughs> across a sheet of paper next to Scott's name. All right, this is going to be fun. So, <laughs> thanks to you both today. Um, today's my last recording for me as host, and so uh, Scott and Jeff wanted to to come on to ask me questions. So I'm the one that's going to be answering questions this time around. Um, so I've got the questions, some of them in advance, but knowing Jeff Kinney, we may not get to all of them. So uh, yeah, uh, I said it. Okay. Challenge accepted. Right. <laughs> so thankfully we're going to start with Scott. So Scott, I'll turn it over to you. Sure. Um, this is exciting. I love, I love a twist. Uh, and so a podcast where the podcast host gets interviewed is... It's right up my alley. Um, we thought we'd just start with a few softballs, <laughs> given that this is, <laughs> and then we'll get progressively more uh, in depth 
as, as our title goes Personal on. insulation. Exactly. <laughs> Provocative. Right. <laughs> I'm excited about this. So, well, we'll just start with, um, you know, what is, you've been, this is the second season of the podcast. Mm -hmm. um, started last year as part of the um, We Have Work to Do campaign. And what is this time doing this podcast meant to you, uh, given that you've interviewed so many folks and had so many good conversations? What has it meant to you? Um, well, I mean, it's meant quite a bit. Oh, I, when I think about it, I think about the fact that I wasn't supposed to be the original host of this podcast. <laughs> it was actually supposed to be the two of you um, and me like a third, because I wasn't really interested in, in hosting. Um, and, you know, one thing led to another and things changed. Um, and so I ended up hosting the podcast. I think what I've enjoyed most or like the, the time itself has been figuring out what I want listeners to know about. Like, you know, the three of us will sit down and talk about here's where I'm thinking for the next season or the next part of the season. Um, but then actually getting those folks together, those, those guests being excited to have someone interested in their work or interested in them or, or any of that. Um, I think that's really been cool to, to connect with people who I know. Most of these folks I know either professionally or personally, but haven't really heard much about their work or who they are as people or, or what they do outside of Oregon State. And so it's really meant a lot to, to deepen those connections, um, but also uh, learn about who I am as a host. And I, you know, we have a little bit more context on the story you're telling, because you said, you know, in some turn of events, I ended up being the host. I remember Scott and I bullying you into doing it. And at the time, <laughs> you were like, I don't think I would be good. And we were like, Brandy, you're literally an actress, right? Like you are a performer. This is totally your skill set. And you were like, I just, I just don't see it happening. And I think we were pretty heavy handed in um, asserting that you would be a good fit. And, you know, emphasizing that part of the history, you know, talk, talk to us about how confident you feel now to do something like a podcast and to engage a campus in this way. Yeah, I, I feel more confident than I definitely more confident than I did when the two of you, as you put it, bullied me into it. <laughs> like I, I just didn't, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I don't, I felt like there's a format you had to do and you have to do it this certain way. Um, and it really is not that. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's whatever you want to make it. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't turn down hosting another podcast again. It just, I really need to know what that would be about. But I really, um, I don't know. I, I feel confident in my ability to do it. Some of it, yes, comes from acting, but most of it, like I said, came from talking to folks that I know. And so those mm -hmm. conversations are, are authentic and, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not forced. Yeah, I do, I do think that's been a strength of yours in this podcast is your authenticity, your ability to show up as your full self. And I just want to underscore the significance of your ability to build relationships and trust and rapport. Because I think there are some really important voices were brought onto this podcast, and I think they trusted you enough to share mm -hmm. in this format. And so it, there was just a lot of skill and capacity you had 
before this project that I think really took it to the next level. Yeah, I want to echo that. Um, and one thing that's been really exciting just in listening to the episodes is um, I think it's too infrequent that we get to hear conversations like this inside of an institution. Oregon State, but then I think any kind of large complex institution, right, where we're talking across different positions, different um, degrees of authority, um, uh, different roles. Um, and I thought you just did a really beautiful job of kind of bringing folks in, um, encouraging their contributions, and then asking some really hard questions. So we promise this won't be like <laughs> the Brandy Affirmation Show, but I, just, I did I did want to affirm um, that that was, I think you've added something really important to, um, you, you know, to, to your legacy and then also um, to our ability to hear and have these conversations um, in meaningful ways. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play hard to <laughs> soon. And if you thought, okay, so you're just like buttering me up. Just to yeah. Like, if you thought we were gonna avoid K-pop in a moment, we're gonna ask you who is the most important member of BTS. And so just prepare yourself. I'm prepared. Yeah. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about kind of the origins of the podcast, um, and invite you to reflect on on what you've seen and heard. Uh, over the last two years, but, you know, the podcast came out of um, the We Have Work To Do campaign. And We Have Work To Do, as our listeners may know, is uh, uh, a campaign organized by the Office of Institutional Diversity in partnership with lots of different uh, partners across the university that has uh, some campaign themes. And I know originally... Um, that was sort of the goal to, to bring out those themes as part of your interviews. Um, but now that you've you know, been in the interviewer seat for, for two years um, and you've had a chance to listen to lots of uh, different folks in different roles and um, you know, doing incredible things across the university, what are some, some general themes that you'd like to, that you kind of pulled away or you, you wanted your listeners to, um, to take away um, from, from those interviews? Yeah, I would say um, the biggest one is around creativity. Like having folks like um, Kate Matavish or Nana Sokovi come on or um, uh, Nicole Hines and Miguel Ariano with the HSRC and talk about the creativity in their work, the creativity of making equitable classrooms, the creativity of um, an innovation of whatever you want to call it of, um, of helping students who are experiencing houselessness or homelessness or food insecurity. And that takes a lot of creativity with the, with the hierarchy like Oregon <laughs> State University. Um, so to listen to those folks, to hear those, the, uh, the situations that they um, are facing and how they have worked through them. Um, I hope the listeners hear that. I hope the listeners also like really hear a lot of empathy with folks and hearing their stories. Um, we got a lot of um, compliments, comments, positive comments about my conversation with Kevin and Damani. And I think a lot of folks, one, in the university and outside of it, don't, don't realize who Kevin and Damani are as Black men sometimes. And so 
um, hearing uh, hearing their their conversation with me and and where they're at after last May, um, I'm I'm hopeful that there was a lot of empathy that was that the listeners found in that. Even the conversation with Dr. Phaser last week, I found myself giving a lot more empathy than I would to a senior leadership, but I really appreciated how he described his work and described how the work that he's doing to, to, um, to further his scholarship and centering it around scholars of color in his own scholarship. So things like that, I, I hope for that. And then, I mean, the, the biggest, my favorite, I should say, they're all my favorite, but one of my favorite episodes is actually with Larry Roper and Allison Davis White Eyes. Like that is my favorite episode because it gives a lot of hope and a lot of love. And it's just really just a conversation with two amazing, um, uh, I was about to say elders, but they felt like they would kill me for saying that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Folks who just have been around the block and have some strong understanding of what it means to be in, a, um, in this field. And so I hope the listeners also uh, felt that, felt that love and, and gave a lot of hope in those episodes. But all of them, I think those are the three themes of hope, empathy, and creativity. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm really struck by those themes, in particular in you talking about the increased insight the podcast has afforded into leaders on campus like Kevin and Damani, you know, use the word empathy. Another word that came to my mind was complexity, mm-hmm. right? Taking folks that we might have limited understanding of, um, some really basic constructs to explain who they are in their work. And you were able to give an angle into their lives that allowed folk to see one another with increased complexity. And if that's relevant to you, um, what's the significance of that type of empathy or complexity work for the mission of an office like ours for the We Have Work To Do campaign? Yeah. I, you and I know, uh, and uh, Scott as well, about empathy and perspective taking and how much that really, sh- I feel, should play into the work that we do. I think when it comes to the campaign, um, I mean, if we're really honest, it really is all about empathy and perspective taking. Like we we talk about how, yes, we have uh, the, the bridges that folks have crossed before us, um, before any of us got to this campus and pushing the work and thinking of folks like Larry, like Allison, like Janet Nishihara, um, folks like that who, um, um, who probably had a lot of empathy and perspective taking in their work to push, to push matters forward. And then thinking of it from our office point of view, we have work to do piece is truly coming from a place of empathy to know that there are folks who are are on our campus who are still trying to push our this mission of social justice specifically forward. And there's a lot of empathy that we have for activists. There's a lot of empathy we have for scholars. There's a lot of empathy we have for um, professionals in trying to push that work. And so the, the whole point of the campaign is to show that we are all doing this work together in different ways, in different situations, bringing our different lenses to it. Um, and we can't do that alone which is why, I mean, OID pushes so, so much on wanting to build up the capacity and confidence of folks, of our, of our colleagues and students to be able to do that work. Um, 
at some point that's going to have to happen. It can't just come from our office. Yeah. And I want to underscore the empathy as you're describing it is an extraordinary, extraordinary level of work. It's a major task of both the head and the heart. It requires right. an intellectual capacity and an emotional capacity and even a relational one that you're referring to. And I just want to take this moment just to assert back to you as your friend and colleague and for your listeners that that is one of your gifts is to model um, model the rigor of true empathy and um, to sit in that complexity and maintain relationships. Like you are consistently in that space of, of letting, letting people show you who they are and not foreclosing conclusions around them. Oh, I got another compliment, <laughs> but it builds, <laughs> it builds on that because I think um, the reality of doing this work in a sustainable way means holding a lot of, not just complexity, but dissonance, I think, mm -hmm. um, and being able to have a conversation with someone with whom you may not agree um, on some on some pretty basic tenets. Hopefully, you, you hold common values, but in, in in particular around tactics and strategy and and um you know how they conceive of the work <laughs> um being located institutionally like you just do a really i think incredible job also of sort of um lifting up that dissonance as being an important part of creating change it's not just everyone agreeing with each other and sort of getting on the same page um that dissonance that discomfort is is productive um, I did want to actually talk to you or ask you about um, one and another theme that I think kept on coming out as I listened to these episodes was this notion of coalition building mm -hmm. and how that is a, and it's something when I when I listened to that um, ep that episode with Larry and Allison of just like the degree of relationship um, that those two in particular created over the span of 20, 30 years doing this work. Maybe can you reflect a little bit on, on like the importance of coalition building uh, and how that came out in some of the episodes that you were, um, uh, on some of the episodes that you recorded. And then maybe also just your thoughts on coalition building as, <laughs> as an important part of this work. Cause I think, cause you do it really well. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Coalition building was a, is a huge theme. And I can already think of some episodes that that honed in on that. Um, outside of the one you just named, uh, which talked a lot about, like Larry talked about, you know, the building of a FAFSI um, as one of those key coalition building pieces. And, you know, I had a conversation when I was uh, co-president of a FAFSI, I had a conversation with um, with uh, Allison Dean and Whitney Archer, um, who at the time were, well, Allison Hallie is still doing queer prose, and Whitney was a co-chair co for PCOSW, <clears throat> and talking about the coalition building pieces that those three affinity groups do, and how we kind of don't really intersect <laughs> all that often, at least at that point, right? Um, the coalition we're doing, the building we're doing is within an identity group, um, but we weren't thinking about the intersectionality piece. I also think about my conversations with 
Raven, um, Waldron, and, and Natalia Fernandez and talking about coalition building there. Uh, Raven has done a lot of activist work, even, even continuing it as a, as a pharmacy student. And the, the, the piece that I think about coalition building here is that it can, it, you know, it flickers out at some point. And that's the unfortunate piece about it, because I feel like coalition building, while uh, you know, needs to needs to be able to be flexible. Um, we can't just always focus on the needs of one person within the coalition, right? To to actually be in a coalition with each other, we need to one, uh, going back to that empathy piece, have that and uh, be able to have empathy for folks who are in the same struggle, just in a different lens, and two, be able to pivot when that is needed. Um, and I don't think we're there yet. I thought, you know, when, when John Stoll had that, the Coalition for Free Speech, that was probably the closest thing. And that took some time to get to. And now it doesn't exist anymore. And so um, I just feel like we're not, we're not ready to fully build that here because we're, we're have the, we have the blinders on and we only think about one issue. And I get it because it, that one issue is big. Like it's not like a small issue, right? Um, but at some point we have to pivot to be a little bit more proactive. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. I'll, and I, I, I like we could end there, <laughs> but we won't because there's a lot more to talk about. Um, I want to talk a little bit about maybe what you've what you've learned. Um, you mentioned capacity building as being something that we really focus on, and in our work, we often focus on the capacity building of others. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe we spend less less time thinking about our own capacity. Um, it strikes me that this podcast has has hopefully created some new capacity. Uh, in you to do this, to do this work and, and you in different ways. And could you spend a few minutes reflecting on how you've grown as a result of the podcast? Yeah, I will say I have learned that I do enjoy hosting podcasts more than I thought I would. And so, Wait, so to be clear, they, be clear, you learned that Scott and I were right. Is that you accurate? You don't put it like that. <laughs> you were correct in this one moment. I will let you have it. Uh -oh. <laughs> I love this. Say that. It is it. recorded. You can go listen to this part of the of the episode whenever you want. It's um, gonna be my ringtone when you call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't wait for that. Um, so yeah, I do. I do enjoy hosting. I, I didn't. I think partly because I think both of you know this about me. When I when I'm like get my creative baby, this is like my creative baby. And so when I get to that point, I'm really, I get really excited about it. I get really interested into it and I dig into it. And it's, you know, the podcast is just one of many things like that. Like the lab is the other uh, specific thing for the dialect facilitation lab for, for OID. But, you know, when I was uh, doing work within UHDS, there, I had babies there too, like specifically my work in Hallsville Hall. Um, and so that that learning piece is more just like, oh, this is new, exciting thing <laughs> that I got to do. Um, the other pieces that I feel like I've, I've learned um, is really just more, uh, more of the interesting facts that I've learned about my guests. Like 
that, you know, I bring folks on that I know a good amount about their work ahead of time, right? But um, I haven't done it so much this season, but last season, you know, I'd asked those questions at the end that were fun questions because we were talking about such difficult topics that sometimes I did not always want to leave it on like such a heavy note. And so um, learning a bit more about my guests um, has always also been really fun. Um, uh, what else? I don't know, I feel like um, learning uh, to, to listen to myself. Oh, that's the other thing. I hate listening to myself. And so having to listen to myself during the podcast and be like, oh, wow, that really, that, okay, I see where I'm glad we went to this line of questioning or, or listening to it and sometimes wishing I had asked this question, but whatever. But uh, I, I, I shouldn't say I, I enjoy listening to myself. I think I've just learned to be okay with it. And I'm... Um, and then Scott, you might want to mute yourself because we can hear your partner coming through. <clears throat> I'm sure. Eh, let's cut that out in post. <laughs> so, um, uh, Brandy, I want to nudge your reflection a little bit further and add, um, you know, a paradigm from social justice education, which mm -hmm. is in addition to learning, it's also a process of unlearning and relearning. And so you told us a bit about some of the things you've learned in your two years doing the podcast. Is there anything that facilitated either unlearning or relearning for you? Hmm. Um, you know, some of the things are more behind the scenes stuff of having to unlearn, of um, you know, how to invite guests. <laughs> like I've had some feedback about that. Um, and thankfully, most of the guests have accepted. Um, I think some some unlearning of uh, not. I'm always thinking like, oh, I, this is what I'm going to do, and not fully being clear sometimes with this is how this podcast is going to go. Um, but usually that clears up beforehand. But I think the unlearning piece is being a little bit more detailed oriented up front mm -hmm. with with guests. Um, mm -hmm. So as far as like when we're recording. Um, I feel like it's, it's a natural conversation with most of them. Um, and so maybe, the, oh, the other unlearning piece, now that I said that, the other unlearning piece is, well, it's not really unlearning, it's a relearning, a relearning to think on my feet. Mm -hmm. Like it's something Dr. Uh, Jimena Zuniga always has always talked about when it comes to dialogue, right? But thinking on my feet and the only time I've really had to do that is when we've done dialogues and it's been a while <laughs> since Jeff and I have done a full dialogue like that. And so these are, they're not dialogues in a sense, but you can still use that tactic. And so thinking on my feet when we know that we're not going to get to these questions, but here's the line that we're going into and is this still okay? And yeah, the answer is always yes, because it's still meeting the goals of the podcast. Yeah, that makes sense to me as a relearning for you because that's something you taught me. So I know you already know it. And that so much of the work we've done together in preparation and in, in my detail-oriented freaking out, sky is falling, foreboding about the outcome of virtually everything we do. You are the person who takes the position of, well, let's trust ourselves that when a difficult moment arises, the words will come. And that has been just a really valuable gift in our relationship 
And I'm glad that you've had an experience that reified that for you. I mean, that's a big cosine. And I think it, <laughs> I'll tell you the other reason why I think that, that that's important. Um, one is I think the confidence that it takes to be able to, to be able to think on your feet is in that way. Um, and to hold someone with a lot of respect and, um, and trust that they're also going to be able to respond to your own thinking is like, um, that's hard to do. And the other part that I really appreciate about the, not only the way that you move through social justice education work, but then also this work generally is like this real encouragement to folks to say, this isn't something we get to script. This isn't something we know necessarily the outcome to. Um, the outcome may not actually be what we intended. Right. The process is valuable. The, the opportunity to be in conversation is valuable. There's like, <laughs> and it's a different way of even conceiving about, I mean, cause we live in, you know, we, we're inside this institution that's like, what are you producing? What is being, <laughs> what, what is the deliverable? Um, you know, can we put it on a website? Um, and I think this, this podcast and also just your, your contribution to my own, you know, my own thinking about this has been, it's important to look at the interior of these processes um, as being something really important in and of themselves. Um, let's, let's, we're gonna, I wanna move us on a little bit to like the most terrible part. Yeah, this, no, this is the hard question. This is going to be the hard question right here. This has been a lot of affirmation. So let's just jump forward to the areas of grievances. You know, a long list of things you've done that pissed us off. Um, as you know, you're leaving. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which is um, selfish. It's selfish. Oh, okay. Really. Um, and I, well, I'll let you talk a little bit about what's what's next for you, but I, that is the question, you know, what's next, yeah. right? And and I think it's not even just um, in the immediate, say, four years future, right. but where do, where do you see your path leading at this moment? Um, okay. And I'll just let you know that there is a correct answer, oh. and that is back to us. <laughs> but if, <laughs> But if you want to come on back, but if you want to, if you want to propose an alternative path, that's, that's good too. That's fine. You sure? You just told me I have to answer the right question, the right answer. Well, I do want to preface this by saying this is all Jeff Kinney's fault. So he, he can be mad all he wants, but it is, it is his fault. Fake news. Lies. So Jeff Kinney. Lies. Actually, most of the folks in the office were always were very encouraging about um, me furthering my scholarship and starting a PhD program. And so I'm moving to South Carolina to begin my doctoral studies in educational leadership with an emphasis in higher education at Clemson. Clemp, Clemson. With a P. Clemson. Clemson University. The same university in in program that Dr. Jeff Kinney did and highly encouraged me to apply. And I actually got accepted last, <laughs> last year, but then we had this pandemic 
and it didn't feel really safe to go. <laughs> so I deferred. Um, and now the time has come for me to, to cash in that chip. And so um, my last day is at the close to the end of July. And I start school August 18th. And we'll hopefully be there three to four years. And then further after that, yes, um, my boyfriend and I, who's coming with me, would like to come back to Oregon. And the plan is to come back to Oregon. I don't know where Oregon State will be at that time. So we'll see. I would love to come back to the university, but mainly we just want to come back to the state. Um, it is June 3rd at 10.38 a.m. I'd like to timestamp the... Uh, <laughs> we now have an audio contract. Right. <laughs> Look, I will complete the full Jeff Kinney experience. Yeah. <laughs> you could just save us all a lot of pain and heartache and just stay. Right, like you, could, you could close the circle right now by just saying, "I changed my mind." I ain't gonna. That would be hilarious, wouldn't it? No, <laughs> I've let too many people. Well, I'm sure everyone would be happy, but I, I, I need this fun experience of yeah. South Carolina heat. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very proud of you, and very excited for you, and yeah, who you may become as a practitioner, as a scholar, through doctoral study, you're already a force and the, the tools and the skills and the networks you're gonna pick up in this process is just gonna take you to the next level, like Marvel comic, so social justice superhero, you know? That would be boss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Uh, I know it's gonna be, it's really scary. Um, having spent 10 years here at here, Oregon State to, to be like, I need to, I need to get out and leave. But it will be a fun adventure. And I honestly didn't think I'd be saying I'd come back. But um, I don't know, I think, I feel like a lot has changed in the university and even within our office from the pandemic. And so my thoughts and feelings have changed because I think we have changed a little bit. And, not so much our dynamic, but I think the dynamic, my dynamic with other folks um, and other colleagues around the university has changed. Um, I think we've all been a little bit more vulnerable <laughs> than we have been in the past, right? Um, so me saying that I wanna come back is, is, is truly because this year has been such a shift in how we see each other. Really important follow-up question. So you're moving to the South. You're originally a Southerner. I spent 10 years living in the South. Scott read an article about the South in Food and Wine Magazine. Talk to us about the food experience you're anticipating and mm. what it's like to eat in Oregon compared to what you think it's gonna be like to eat in South Carolina. Oh, that's a great question. We know my biggest fear is finding the right barbecue place for me. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, my dad is a um, is a barbecue man, so he he's been doing barbecue since he was in his early thirties, and 
I, I grew up around specifically Texas, Oklahoma style barbecue. And I am a bit, I'm a barbecue snob. These two know this very well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so mm-hmm. usually recommendations, like if I recommend anything, it means it's probably pretty good. Um, so I know, I don't think South Carolina barbecue is as vinegary as North Carolina. No. And not so, as, not as smoky as Oklahoma. As Oklahoma. So I will have to find the right spot. I do know that, well, see, I'm trying to think, like, I know there's subtle differences between North and South Carolina. I do hope sweet tea is on the menu in every place that I go, though, because that would be bomb. I would mm-hmm. really be sad if that wasn't the case. Um, mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to get some good greens and macaroni and cheese mm-hmm. and, like, that type of food there. Um, I do hope I also get, like, you know, they're not too far from from the Atlantic. And so I'm, I'm hoping to actually also get some decent seafood from time to time. Girl, give yourself a long weekend in Charleston and live your seafood fantasy. Yay. I tell you what, <laughs> get it done. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. I'm excited. I'm excited for the food now that you show me a few spots. I'm also excited, like I was having a conversation with my advisor uh, Dr. Natasha Kroon, and um, her talking about like uh, the experiences of being around Black folks in other professions, you know, so like her doctor is a Black woman, and like that's rare. Mm-hmm. In, in Oregon, you got to go to Portland and, or Eugene for that type of type of care, that lens of care, I should say, and so to, to find that pretty regularly, to find salons, pretty regularly, that type of stuff. Um, so outside of the food component, just the Southern component of being around Black people who are not working in the same profession that you are, <laughs> that you can you know, utilize those resources like that. And that just hasn't happened as much um, in the state of Oregon. Yeah. Um. I'll have you know I've read several articles. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> not just food and wine. <laughs> articles about gardening too, right? That's right. Um, <laughs> so Brandy, um, I you know I'm interested in as we as we come to the endish time of this <laughs> um, of this this podcast episode um and we can keep going as long as we need by the way (laughs) um interested in you know some words that you want to offer your your listeners your your devoted um brandy stands who are out there (laughs) um who have listened but but maybe not even just folks that have listened because as jeff has mentioned you've been here for 10 years um (laughs) it's a long time and then a lot of really important roles and the thing that always amazes me I'll just say when I'm like moving through my day is when I talk to a student or a colleague or someone else and they specifically reference the impact of something that you have done um, during your time at OSU Um, a program you led a conversation you had Um, so as we get ready to experience your absence (laughs) 
um, from OSU? Are there are there some words that you want to offer um, your listeners and, and some of the folks that you've um, that you've touched over time? Yeah, I will at least start with the listeners. Like it's been really nice um, to have support from from folks who have listened to the podcast and let me know their thoughts about it or if the episode went well or even the guests who have come on and really have enjoyed themselves. Um, I've enjoyed bringing these folks um, uh, into our conversations and I've enjoyed having guests come on and, and, uh, and talk about their work and their lives. Um, so it's definitely a huge thank you to them. Uh, as for like the campus, man, I, you two know this, I genuinely, generally let my work speak for itself. And I think the reason I do that is because I, I want to, you know, I, I don't feel like I've made a good impact if, if folks aren't, you know, sharing that they've had a good experience with something. So whether it's a speaker with MLK or, um, Jeff, even the work you and I did with intergroup dialogue, I, I've gotten folks years after that program has sunsetted telling me how much they really enjoyed that program or there's something that's, that uh, sparked a memory from that, right? Um, and uh, we haven't done that specific type of dialogue in years, um, but that has come full circle. Or, um, you know, the social justice retreats or... Um, uh, the, the lab, the dialogue facilitation lab, but just now we're about to end right um, this today. Yeah, today's the last day for the lab. Just those pieces and, and hearing folks either tell me or tell you all or um, bring it up in some sort of way. Um, that's that's my like, that's my jam. That's I try not to, to talk too much about my own work because I feel like it speaks for itself. Um, in 10 years though, the work has, hasn't, has changed in some ways and it hasn't. So working in the office, I have seen a lot more of the institutional side of the university than I ever had with UHGS. However, UHGS is its own university in a sense, right? And being able to connect with students the way I connected with students, um, I was impactful for me to be able to, to connect with them and talk to them about social justice and see their like eyes light up and their mind change or, or, or think about, oh, this is what that word means to my life or, and then to see them go out. I may have radicalized a few of them <laughs> during my time. I'm not apologizing for that because they took it and ran with it, right? Um, and then there are times where, you know, you still have to be like, hey, you might want to slow your roll or back it up a little bit and figure it out. And I love those moments. I still have those moments, not so much with students now, but with my former students, um, specifically my um, CRFs, the community relations facilitators, who are going out and doing great work, or some of the RAs that I have connected with who uh, I unintentionally radicalized because I don't like to sugarcoat anything with students. And I let them know what it is. And so if I left any mark, I, the mark I hope I leave, at least for now, is that, you know, um, is, uh, well, twofold. One, it's, it's that empathy means more than just, you know, thinking about things from the heart, but also thinking from things from the mind and wondering where folks, why folks think the way they do. 
and to uh, subtly push <laughs> push folks to to do to do better work. I feel like our students are doing that. They're not as subtle anymore, uh, which is fine. But also um, that they admit when they're when they may need some more help with things. Um, I hope that made sense. It's a lot to compact into ten years. It does make a lot of sense. And as somebody who shared many of those 10 years with you, um, when I've encountered students and faculty and staff who've gotten to know you really well or have been mentored by you, um, I experience them in what some folk might call like a tempered radicalism. And I think of you as a tempered radical. And tempered, you know, doesn't mean compromised or underwhelming, tempered means strategic, right? Mm -hmm. It's the kind of radical you have to be to succeed in a predominantly white institution in a land grant like Oregon State University. It's the type of radical that you can keep going every day without burning out or being pushed out. And um, I've just encountered so many people who I experience as so effective, who inspire me, who push me in my practice, and it's always one to two degrees of separation from you. And so I think you have imbued the institution with a type of sustainable, smart um, radicalism that that energy will carry on, at least for the five years until you come back. Yeah, I, um, I agree with everything that, that Jeff just said. I think the other thing that you've done, especially in our office, is show us another way um, that it's possible to, to do this work outside of, uh, outside of a single framework, right? Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when this, how you have like a thing that you do that actually um, is, um, a good example of this, which is sometimes when we co-facilitate, and I bet Jeff has experienced this too, and like my facilitation is going off on some tangent, and you reach over with your hand, and you just, you just like touch the inside, or you know, the outside of the palm, and you're like, it's okay, this is, <laughs> we're gonna, and it's just this beautiful, it's this beautiful um, gesture, I think, that um, it shows care, um, it shows empathy. It also like reminds, I think reminds me that like we're in partnership and we're a coalition and that, um, and, and it also helps me understand maybe I need to dial it back and then also hand, you know, hand, hand the reins over because I think that that's sort of this, this beautiful thing that you're, you're showing us is that it's possible to, to do this in a different way than, than how we're often expected to. Yeah, I'm also a, a frequent recipient of the, the ginger brandy arm touch. <laughs> I now understand as a wrap it up, wrap it up, <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're very kind. Thank you, Brandy. Yeah. Um, so this was not part of the plan, but I had kind of a, a lightning round in mind. Ooh, fun. Um, and so, and, and so Jeff, I, I, you know, I have some lightning round questions just to, just to kind of like, um, one is as a curator of culture, um, capital C, capital C, um, 
um, we want to get your, we want to get your, you know, your thoughts on some of these questions. Okay. Um, and it also might help some of your listeners better understand, you know, you as you, as you move to your next, to your next adventure. So I'm just going to go, you don't give it much thought. You just, you know, just go with what comes up. So like, um, uh, so favorite comic book character of now. Of now? Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be Storm. Storm is oh. always here and now. I have way too many. Uh, I have three, thankfully, right now. Storm action figures in my collection. She's the first Black superhero I ever saw on TV. Um, she's the first Black woman superhero of Marvel. And she will always remain current. Mm. Love it. Halle Berry as... As you know, so. she, she turned out to be a little bit better than Alexandria Ship. I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago that, like, if it wasn't for Alexandria Ship, I would not have appreciated Halle Berry's Storm. But either one of them, I can't fault them because these directors and writers continue to write Storm as this meek character. And it's mm. like, obviously, you've never heard of her because mm. she, she wants, she's like, you have the power of, you know, elemental power. And it's like, yes, but she, she's also a strong leader. She's just very calm and collected. And I think that's why they're not, she's the, the passionate pieces of storm come from a traumatic past of hers. And so she tries her best to like settle that. Mm. And like, she can take the air out of your lungs if she really wanted to. (laughs) It's just, I, I don't think she has been written well for, for cinema. Oh, um, okay, next. Uh, it's a lightning round, remember, all right. Um, as some of our listeners may know, you are an actress. Um, and so your favorite play. Oh, man. Um, I, ooh, I'm trying to think. The first play that came to mind was the one I directed. So I'm trying to think of that one. But that's the one I'm going to go with. So... I directed Much Ado About Nothing, and I really enjoyed directing, even a little bit more than acting. Um, so I'd say that's probably my favorite play that I've been a part of. Um, oh, okay. The one I, my favorite one that I acted in is um, William Shakespeare's uh, first play, and it was like this a long, drawn-out play, but it was only three, um, basically put all of William Shakespeare's plays together and made this long play and it was three of us we were the only actors and it was just super fun to get out of my shell and and Mm. do things that I had not done like make silly dolphin noises or like just trying these wacky costumes and I really have a okay I got two I got just two more um uh favorite musical artist except I have two categories okay good from from the 90s, which is one of the best musical eras, and then from the from the here and now, the, the present. Okay. Oh, from the 90s, uh, my first thought was Boys to Men, and that's because I've loved them for so long. <laughs> I've went to see them in concert. I've seen them twice. Um, yeah, just to, I wanted to see them in Vegas. They, they were my first crushes. Like, I just love Boys to Men. Um, and then now, man, that's really hard. I would, I guess the artists I'm listening to currently, uh, uh, well, there's two. 
there's Run the Jewels, which is a duo hip hop group. There's a lot of political pieces around that they do in their music. Um, and Lucky Day. Lucky Day is a new R&B artist who, um, I don't know, just his voice is very old soul voice. Mm. It's not like whisper, whisper R&B, which is fine. I enjoy some whisper R&B, but his voice is very sound. Um, yeah, those are probably the two that I would say currently are my favorite. I've got some lightning round questions, but I'm going to frame mine as either ors, and they can be oh. very brief. So, okay. Brandy or Monica? Brandy. Okay. Brittany before 2007 or after 2007? Ooh, I'm going to say after. After? Okay. Yeah. And then, which Aunt Viv, Janet Hubert or Debbie? Oh. <laughs> gonna be janet even though she's trifling as hell it's always gonna be janet <laughs> uh, all right i'm good i got what i needed <laughs> oh man well brandy i don't know if you have any if you have any last um parting thoughts that you'd like to offer um but the floor is yours yeah i i do want to at least offer a couple of things. One, um, I'm gonna. You'll, you two will get a bigger thank you off off the podcast line. But I do appreciate the two of you bullying me into this gig, and um, I've had a lot of growth for me. I've had a lot of fun doing it, and um, so I appreciate the the loving nudge that the two of you gave to me, and the confidence that you um, gave them uh, to helped me kind of see my own confidence in being a podcast host. So thank you both for that. Um, I have always enjoyed the three of us kikiing together. So we have a great time. Um, and then the other thing that I want to name is that like for our listeners, the podcast is not technically going anywhere. Um, so for those who are worried about the Got Work to Do podcast, uh, Scott Vigno is going to be our new host starting next season. So... <laughs> a lot of like ways that you can't see um and so i'm excited to be a listener to the gut work to do podcast um while i'm doing my studies in south carolina that's right (laughs) (laughs) i want to see you subscribing on all your favorite podcasting platforms yes Uh, yes it's time to learn (laughs) So that's all I have. Yeah. Well, thank thank you, Brandy, very much um, for the podcast. We also will have an opportunity to you know continue to, to um, shower you with affirmations. <laughs> um, but I'm happy that you let us take some time now uh, to do that as well. Um, it's been a wonderful two seasons. Uh, I think you've shown. I think you've. I think you've shown folks that this is also a great medium to talk about this work and that, um, and that you've, you've created some really wonderful uh, conversations that, that we can continue going back and listening to. Um, and for, for those listeners who are out there who haven't listened to every single episode, literally every single episode <laughs> is excellent. Uh, and so I hope that they'll go back into the, you know, dig deep into the catalog uh, and take a listen. 
Yeah, it's not too many. There's only this is the twentieth one, so you have twenty episodes. That's right. Be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jeff, any any parting thoughts? No. <laughs> For once in his life, Jeff has nothing to say. <laughs> Why did you push him like that? Now he's going to figure something out. <laughs> Um, to close, I'm going to sing an acapella version of All oh. By Myself. And Brandy, you can choose either Eric Carmen's 1975 rendition or Celine Dion's 1996. I thought it was going to be Celine. You ready? Um, but, no, okay. Let's wrap it up. Let's go home. Close it down. Well, let me go ahead and close it down for us. Yes. So. <laughs> Thanks again, you two, for, for grilling me and, and all the affirmations. You know how hard it is for me to accept affirmations and compliments. So I feel like I, I did pretty good. I didn't shut anybody down. Um, thanks again to the listeners. We'll be back next next uh, fall um, with Scott taking the reins. And so for the last time, bye. Bye.